This week on Missions Today. Living in South Asia, I was around a lot of women who had been traumatized in many different ways. And just life in South Asia for a woman is difficult on many levels. And so realizing the things that even my close friends were going through and they not knowing how to deal with that and not having anyone to go to to listen to them really made my heart go out to them and really want to, to help friends like that. Through her own personal experiences on the mission field, our guest this week quickly learned that trauma was often a barrier for people to things of faith. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. Trisha Stringer and her husband were missionaries for a number of years in Africa and Asia. They were working on Bible translations, but quickly found that many of those they were working with could not read. So they began using the oral tradition like many they were sharing with, sharing the truth of God's word through stories. In that process, they found that those stories were a key to opening a door of faith for many who had suffered great trauma. And now, Trisha helps lead Multiplying Hope, a ministry designed to help move people from trauma to life abundant. Some in the field have gone so far as to say that trauma is a key mission field for the 21st century. Well, let's learn more about it together. Hey, Tricia, thanks so much for being with us on Missions today. Tell us a bit more about Multiplying Hope. Multiplying Hope is a ministry of SRV. And SRV is an organization that helps local churches and local groups around the world develop comprehensive church planting strategies. So comprehensive means all the way from entering into a new community that has never heard the gospel before into how do you tell them about Jesus, right? And then how do you disciple new believers? How do you gather people into groups, start churches, and then leadership development? And so we provide strategies, resources, and vision for local communities to do that all over the world. As we look at that kind of church planting ministry, what we recognize is that many parts of the world have experienced a lot of hardship, war, devastation, and people have been traumatized. And so none of these things work. Um, evangelism doesn't work. Church planting doesn't work in a place where people are still afraid, right? Where they're still worried about what's going to happen next. And so one of the things that we want to do is remove that barrier of trauma, help people understand who God is in a way that they can access, that they can really understand when they've been traumatized. And so that is the role that Multiplying Hope plays in SRV's ministry. Awesome. I want to talk more about all of that in just a moment. But first, I want to learn a little more about you. Tell me a bit about your growing up days and maybe uh, your faith journey. And, and then we'll talk about how you uh, got to SRV and Multiplying Hope. So I grew up in Texas. I was born and raised most of my life in Texas and actually right near Austin in a little town called San Marcos. And so I went to high school there and then I went to college in Belton, Texas. Um, it was a Baptist school. I would say that from the moment that I became a believer, I felt called into missions. And so actually I became a believer at seven years old when my dad was in the army in Germany. And so um, I was already overseas. And so I think there was that moment where I accepted Jesus as my savior. And it was just kind of this logical progression, but not everyone's heard the name of Jesus. Well, that's not fair. So somebody has to go tell them. And so from the time I was seven, I felt called overseas 
Um, and so that's what I studied in college was I majored in religion um, and then got married and my husband and I went into missions and went overseas early on in our mid-20s. Talk a, a minute about that. I love hearing that you were interested in missions from the beginning. We often on this program get people who had no exposure and others who had great exposure. Love to hear when someone has that passion from an early age and kind of knows this is where I'm headed. Uh, sounds like that was the case with you and, and your husband as well. Talk about your transition to missions and especially to missions overseas. What was that like? You know, we were at this small Baptist college in Texas, um, and we both knew that we were called into ministry and specifically overseas, but we weren't sure what, and we didn't really know what that meant necessarily. Um, but I grew up in a family that really cared about missions. So in my house growing up, we would have magazines from like Wycliffe Bible translators and, you know, the jungle pilots, um, who were missionary pilots. Um, and we used to support actually a jungle pilot in the Amazon. Um, and so I would hear those stories growing up and sometimes we'd have missionaries in our home. I was just fascinated by it. And I think the thing that really sealed the deal for my husband and myself when we were in college was that thought that there are people groups in the world that will never hear the name of Jesus unless someone goes and and tells them. And I think as we heard that, we heard the numbers of people, especially people that don't have the Bible in their own language. When we heard those numbers, over 7,000 languages, right, that still need some part of the Bible in their own language, it just touched our hearts. And there was nothing more we could do. It was like we didn't really have a choice. <laughs> That's what we've always felt like. We didn't really have a choice but to go in that direction. Uh, talk about where you went and what that experience was like. Was it, Was it? I mean, here you are growing up in Texas, go to college not too far from home. All of a sudden, you're overseas. What was that whole experience like? In our mid-20s, uh, we went to France with our 18-month-old daughter. And she, you know, she was with us. And, and we go to France to, to learn French because we had been assigned as Bible translators to a little country in West Africa. I hate bugs and dirt and camping. So I, I think God has a sense of humor. He has sent my husband and, and me to places that we said we would never go. So after a year and a half in France and another child, we landed in West Africa with two toddlers. Well, actually one baby and one toddler and started working in a people group that at the time had no believers. And we were in a traditional Bible translation project which meant we had to start by giving them an alphabet and a grammar and then literacy and then translate the Bible. And soon we realized that was going to take a very long time and that people were dying and not hearing about Jesus. And so we transitioned to Bible storying, which was a faster way to get God's word into people's language and into their hearts. And what we realized was the culture we had moved into was a storytelling culture. And that's how people learned new truth and new values. They would sit around the fire literally at night and their grandmothers would tell stories or their grandfathers. So as people heard God's word in their own language for the first time, we saw people's lives being transformed. And it was amazing. So we were there for five years and did a full story and project. And then we moved to South Asia, where we continued helping other teams do these kinds of projects to get God's word into their language. As you look back at that time overseas, reaching out to people, sharing the gospel in unique ways through story, 
uh, maybe a thing or two that you learned, or a couple of takeaways from that time could be positive or negative, challenging or or beneficial. What would be a couple of things you might share? Well, as soon as you said that, Colin, this picture jumped into my mind. So I think this is what I should share. Um, and it, it segues really well into trauma healing as well. I think through the years when we talked about doing Bible stories rather than written scripture first, we got a lot of questions. Questions like, is oral scripture valid? Does it have the same impact that a written book has? And over the years, we began to realize that actually God's word first went out orally. God spoke and he created the world, right? So that's at the very beginning. But then even in in early years throughout the Old Testament, people learned by hearing. And so we knew that if we could give people God's stories that were accurate and natural in their language, that it would impact their heart. And so I'm remembering being in North Africa about 10 years ago, uh, doing a story crafting project. And I was teaching a group of three languages, these Bible stories. And we have a process that we go through that helps them learn these Bible stories. And so here we were, we had these three groups, and we were doing the story of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, who had gone to Jesus to be healed and touched the bottom of his robe, right? And so one of the steps in our process of learning the story is to act it out. So we acted out the story, and one of these translation teams was all men, and they were all from a Muslim background, which meant that they already thought that being a woman was unclean and certainly that a woman who was bleeding was unclean, right? So already it was a big deal that they were acting this out. So they acted it out the first time. They did a great job. And then they acted it out a second time. So we do it twice. And the second time we stop the action at different points, we'll say freeze. And then we'll ask each character how they're feeling. So I'll never forget this moment. The person playing the bleeding woman was the old man in the group. And he used to be a religious leader in the Muslim community, but he had become a believer since then. But anyway, so he was acting out this woman. And the moment that he's acting out, the woman kneeling down and reaching out to touch the hem of Jesus's clothes, I said, freeze. And then I said, what are you feeling right now? And he looked at me and began to weep. And he said, I never realized the faith and the courage that this woman had. And I want to be just like her. That is a miracle that a man like that said he wanted to be just like a woman who was bleeding. And I think it was that realization yet again that God's word transforms hearts. And when God's word hits your heart, it can't help but be changed. That that kind of story is repeated over and over and over in story crafting workshops where we teach people how to tell God's stories in their own language. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that story. It just paints a tremendous picture. And I think we can all identify in some way with what that man experienced that day. Talk for a moment about transition from kind of your traditional mission setting to joining SRV and ultimately the organization you're working with now. Yeah, well, we had um, about five years ago in our old organization, some colleagues came to us and said, hey, we're working with refugees 
And we need a trauma healing program that we can use with them. Now, all of the refugees we work with are oral, meaning that they cannot read and write, but they've gone through such horrible circumstances. And we want to use God's word to help them. They're also not from a believing background and they're from a Muslim background. So we want to attract them to Jesus, but also do that in an appropriate and responsible way. And they said, you're the story people. So can you help us? And so that was already resonating with something in my heart, just watching God's word transform lives, like the story I just told you and realizing that, yes, God's word intentionally used in traumatic situations. I mean, there's no end to the power, right? That God has in those situations. So we developed a team of people. And there were seven of us that worked on this curriculum that we began to use, and it was called New Hope. And we have been using that now for six years and using it all over the world. And we're on almost every continent. About two years ago, my husband and I transitioned out of our old organization into SRV, but we continue to use that curriculum from the old organization, as well as really expanding this ministry into more than just a seven-week curriculum, which is what New Hope is. It's a beautiful curriculum, but healing takes longer than seven weeks, right? And so New Hope is is a curriculum that really helps small groups of people understand what it means to be a healing community. Healing happens as people gather together around God's word with a purpose. And as they learn to listen to each other well and really become community. And so as we saw that happening, we realized that those small communities are actually seeds. They're seeds of healthy church plants. So what would it look like if these communities continued on so that when the next traumatic situation happens or when the trauma comes back up in their own lives and they have to deal with it again, they can be in this community that is already good for each other, that is already centered around God's word that will bring them back into who Jesus is and how Jesus can bring healing to their lives. So we began to look at this more as a trauma-informed church planting. So how do you even enter into a new community? How do you share with your neighbor who may not be a Christian, but who maybe has just lost a loved one? Or maybe a horrible experience has just happened to them. So this works even in America, right? How do you even talk to your friends like this? How do you listen to them well? And then how do you bring them into a discussion about how God can enter into that situation? And so, you know, everything from that kind of entry point into a community, all the way to we have pastors, we have missionaries, we have church workers who are burned out have experienced hard things? Where did they go? How did they keep going? How did they stay resilient in God's strength and power? What does that look like for them? And then how do we start churches or how do we infuse this kind of health, emotional health into existing churches? And then how do we help these churches become contagious, right? And this health and healing and love and joy that comes with that healing, how does that just spill out over them into the next community and the next community? And so that's really our goal, right? Is to see this entire paradigm of of church planting or of healthy church growth and to see all of that be trauma-informed and healing 
for the people in it. You talked about using the stories when you were a missionary, and now you've talked about how it can be used in this effort to help people that have gone through trauma. Was there anything in your own life or anything that you experienced out in the field as a missionary that tied into trauma? Was it just seeing trauma over and over again? What caused or created or led to that focus on trauma care, if you will? Yeah. You know, I would say that especially being a woman on the mission field, as I was doing trainings with my husband, we would often do these trainings where people would come in to be trained. And it was usually men. They were the ones that could leave their families and their communities to come. The women were at home. They were busy. They were with the children. They were cooking and cleaning and doing all of that. And so as I began to see God's word transforming lives, I uh, wanted to have some projects that were just with women. Living in South Asia, I was around a lot of women who had been traumatized in many different ways. And just life in South Asia for a woman is difficult on many levels. And so realizing the things that even my close friends were going through And they not knowing how to deal with that and not having anyone to go to to listen to them really made my heart go out to them and really want to to help friends like that. And so I think as we started this trauma healing program, it started out of um, wanting to do story crafting projects for women. And one of my other colleagues said, oh, yeah, I tried that. But we got through day two. And the women broke down and all they wanted to do was tell us their story, their story of abuse or of pain or of suffering of some sort. And we couldn't get any further. We have to address trauma in order for real spiritual growth to happen. And that's when I started to research what would that look like. Talk for a moment about what maybe just a simple overview of what one of these groups or courses looks like. What kinds of things or steps kind of do you go through? Yeah. So our core curriculum is a seven-week curriculum called New Hope. And it takes somebody through actually the entire Bible in seven weeks. It's a once a week meeting with a small group of people, four to six people. And each session is divided into three parts. And we call the first part looking back. And that's just a time where people listen to each other. So we learn how to listen to each other and really build that community and tell our stories to each other in a non-judgmental atmosphere, in a safe atmosphere. And then the second part of the session is called looking up. And that's where we interact with a story. And I know um, for an American, you may think, yes, that's for children in Sunday school. Um, that's just not true. Uh, When you interact with God's word at a heart level, in story form, telling it, retelling it, acting it out, discussing it, things happen in your heart and your heart becomes transformed. And so that's what we do in that looking at section. And we often have um, a healing activity, some sort of activity like drawing or singing or something that really helps us solidify the truths that we learned in the story. And then the third part is what we call looking forward. The idea of having purpose in life is one of the most underrated characteristics of trauma healing. I think a lot of people forget that when you've gone through a traumatic experience, it's really important for you to understand that God still has purpose for your life. And so one of the things that we try to do in the looking forward section is help people look at their community around them. Who do I know who needs this story from God's word? 
Or who do I know that I need to go to them this week and say, tell me your story and just listen to them, right? And so we really, we actually make plans together. I'm going to go to my neighbor, you know, or I'm going to go to my sister. She really needs to hear this Bible story. Or I'm going to tell this story to my husband or to my children or to my wife. Or And so we're really building purpose into that. And then the next week when they come back, they talk about who they've shared that story with that week. And it's a beautiful time of celebration together. So once a group has gone through this seven-week curriculum, they can continue to move forward. Um, we can do some other curriculums. We have one that is completely based on the idea of forgiveness, which is kind of that elephant in the room, right? Something horrible has happened to you and it's hard to forgive. It's really hard. And so we have a six-week curriculum that's just on that journey. What does that journey look like? What does God say about forgiveness? What is forgiveness and what is forgiveness not? And how do we walk alongside each other as we learn to forgive those around us? And so these groups can continue moving forward together like that. So I say all that to say that's the core curriculum. And if you go to our website, you can sign up for that through going to an introduction and kind of hearing about what that looks like. Now, some of you may say, I don't need a seven-week course or I don't want a seven-week course right now, right? And so we also have a webinar series that's just four webinars of an hour and a half each that you can go to, and, and it's called Healing Conversations. And the idea of this is, how do I just become a person for whom my conversations, when people walk away from conversations I've had with them, they say, wow, that was healing. She or he pointed me to God. What does that look like to become that kind of person? So in these four webinars, you learn some basic skills like listening, telling a short Bible story, and even understanding a little bit about how trauma affects the brain and our actions and our activities and how we can counteract that using God's word. In our final couple of minutes, I was reading a couple of articles about this type of work. It's kind of interesting. You can look around the world and see suffering all over the planet and people experiencing trauma. We hear more and more about it in America today, probably more than ever before. I know on college campuses and high school campuses, counselors are talking about more counseling needs, more need to deal with trauma in young people's lives than ever before. And in one of these articles, it said maybe one of the new mission fields for the 21st century is this kind of trauma care. Do you agree with that? Your thoughts on that? So that phrase is coined by Diane Langberg, who is a top Christian psychologist. And she did say that it is possible that trauma is the mission field of the 21st century. And I would say that that is true. If you think about trauma as something that creates a barrier between us and God and a barrier to our spiritual growth, or even to a non-believer understanding God's love for them, if trauma is that barrier, then it must be addressed for us to move forward. And you're right, Colin, we see it everywhere. Even just the past two years with things that have happened in different countries and we see an influx of refugees to this country, that need is brought to the forefront even here in the United States more and more with each passing year. Trauma. As Tricia was just saying, it could well be the next mission field for people on the ground around the globe and even here in the United States of America. And that falls in line with many ministries who talk about meeting physical or emotional needs of folks as quickly and efficiently as possible so that the gospel can be heard. If you'd like more information about Tricia and her ministry, Multiplying Hope, we'll link you in today's podcast notes.
Now, just a moment to talk about this podcast, Missions Today. It was developed and produced by me along with my friends at Resource Global to spotlight the leaders and trends shaping the global church and global missions today. Resource Global's mission is to teach, mentor, and connect the next generation of global marketplace leaders to impact their cities and workplaces for the gospel. You can visit Resource Global's website, resourceglobal.org, to apply for the next cohort or to serve the world as a teacher, a mentor, a donor, equipping tomorrow's Christian leaders. I know that you'd love to learn more about Resource Global, and that's the best way to do it, resourceglobal.org. My thanks to Resource Global and their entire team for helping make this program possible each and every week. Oh, by the way, you can sign up for Resource Global's monthly update to receive news and, most importantly, exclusive world-class teachings on faith and work that help you stay on the forefront of today's global missions work. There'll be sessions, there'll be conferences, all kinds of information along with their monthly update. You can just visit our homepage at missionstoday.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. There's a sign-up form there. Just need your name and your email address. We'll get that off to you right away. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we're going to continue to learn more together of how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for His glory. It is so helpful if you subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to tell others about it as well. Rate it, leave reviews on iTunes anytime you hear a program that you love. And again, share this podcast with your friends and family, especially those interested in missions. If you have feedback for me, I love hearing from you. Please email me, clambert at missionstoday.com. Love to hear what God's doing in your life. Love to hear your mission, even ideas for guests for the podcast. Lambert at missionstoday.com. And follow us on Facebook at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.